Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball. Hey everyone, JJ Cooper, Kyle Glazer joining you for another Baseball America Facebook Live and podcast here. And we're going to talk about the race for the bottom. The race to number one, The uh, who's going to have the first pick in the 2018 draft, what that means for different teams. But before we do that, we do want to remind you, and we thank you for tuning in, we remind you that this Facebook Live is brought to you by Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off-field brand of baseball, offering apparel for men, women, and kids. Shop now at Baseballism.com and enter the offer code BASHIP, that's B-A-S-H-I-P, and you'll get free shipping on your order. Visit Baseballism.com to shop for hats, shirts, and more today, as we see as we are always are sporting our Baseballism gear. So, Kyle... Even since yesterday, when you wrote a story about this, this is two days ago. John wrote it. John wrote it, sorry. You you were part of it, wrote it. John wrote it, but we had a story about who was going to get the number one pick. We have a week left of the season, now less than a week left in the season. And we said, so who's going to get the pick number one pick in the draft? And since then, it's already changed. It's, it is a furious, more furious than any wild card race we have this year. It's a furious race to the bottom. Right now, the Angels have kind of dropped out there in the AL. But, you know, the NL is interesting, but the Rockies have their own position. But down, uh, down to the bottom, as we say. When that article went up, the Giants had number one all to themselves. Since then, the Phillies have moved into a tie. So right Congratulations, now, So Phillies. right now you've got the Phillies and the Giants kind of tied for that number one overall pick, 62-95 and 95 records. And, you know, it's interesting because you've got two teams very different. The Phillies have not been good for quite some time, really since that, you know, Halliday Lee, you know, the pitching staff got old and faded out. They hung on to Howard and Rollins and Utley a few more years. It didn't quite work. And I mean hung on at the end there. Right. I mean, they haven't really been competitive. They had a great run, but they haven't been competitive now since roughly 2011, 2012-ish. The Giants, on the other hand, were in the playoffs last year. They were in the NLDS and had some leads on the Cubs that their bullpen blew. Um, but at the end of the day, this is a team that's won three World Series in a five-year span, the early part of the decade. They were in the postseason last and- year. And it just completely is all falling The apart. cliff. This year it was going along and then the cliff hit. The league is a home run league now and the San Francisco Giants cannot hit home runs. And that's where it's going to be interesting to see to me. I think what we've seen right now, just from early discussions with evaluators and scouts, this seems like a really, really good high school class. On the college side, certain people like Seth Beer and the fan world, evaluators are very lukewarm on him to be kind. But in terms of that, okay, who's a guy that's maybe that impact bad that can get to the majors fast and help you? Right now, that guy has not separated himself at the college. The closest it. you can probably come up with is Nick Madrigal, and, and, and he's, he's not a traditional number one pick. Right, he's kind of a you know, short middle infield guy. So I think for one of these teams that's going to get this number one overall pick, whether it's the Giants, whether it's the Phillies, the Tigers are right there in the race as well. I think they're going to have to go for a guy who's sort of a long-term you know, high school pick, and that's totally fine because those guys can pay off some big and, rewards. And I will say also the other thing that we always like to say with this is, is that it is very early and we've a got the perfect change. we've got the perfect example that happened not that far ago, that long ago, because if you rewound the clock a few years ago, we would not have been talking about Andrew Benintendi in any way, shape, or form at this time, uh, speaking of the next year's draft class. And then Benintendi as a sophomore basically blew up at Arkansas and ended up being top 10 pick and ended up being the big leagues not long after that. So especially on the college side, we don't have the guy who looks like the clear 1-1 right now. That doesn't mean that we may not end up there 
before it's all said and done. And so we'll, we'll see. But it's interesting. You look at some of these teams, we talk about you know the Giants, the Tigers were competitive for a long time. And again, not that far you know, ago into the past. It's sort of interesting to me seeing the different teams, where they are. The White Sox are on the periphery there. I believe they have the fourth overall pick if the season ended right, today. Right, they do. Um, and they are only they are still two and a half back. So technically they are so still So here's the question for you. Because, look, there's that balance between, yeah, you want the higher pick, but sometimes it's also good to see yeah. your younger guys playing well and developing unless you get a few more wins. And we'll get into that deeper. But of these teams, who's the team for you? that you say, these guys really, really, really need the number one pick? I mean, any of these teams, because again... They could all use it. They all could use it, because the number one pick is, is something... Well, now it's a little different. Now it's a top five pick, I, I think, is, is huge, because the, the gradation drops off a little bit less. The team that needs it is picking six right now. I think the New York Mets could use 1-1, one, one because this has been a season... I mean, as bad as the Giants season has all fallen apart... The, the Mets are a team that I feel like it's it's equally gone off the rails this year. I mean... Everybody got hurt. The, the thing for Everybody. <laughs> but if I'm talking about teams that are in the top five right now, I am going to say the Giants. And the reason I say that is, is, for one, their track record when they've picked in the top five has been outstanding. And when you say track record in this case, it actually does matter because John Barr and the guys, guys are the guy. You know, John Barr, Ryan Fabian, you know, the, these are the guys who've been there. I mean, this is not something where you say... The track record, and you're talking about an entirely different regime and no one was there who's still there. They've picked it high before. When they've done it, they get guys like Buster Posey. Right. So, Their last two were Zach Wheeler and Buster Posey. Obviously, Wheeler's big league career hasn't been sensational. But, but they did good, land. But they and they landed, landed Carlos Beltran for him. Right. And he was good when healthy with the Mets. Uh, even, you know, you go back. I remember John was listing out. It's Matt Williams, Will Clark. I mean, the Giants throughout their history, even though... Some I think Jason Grilly is the worst top five pick they've and had. He had, and he had a, a really nice big league career for a long time, including an All Star game or two, I believe. So yeah. So it, it's when that's your 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 worst number top uh, top five pick, you've done really well as a franchise. Well, I wanted to ask you is this: if you're a fan and you're a fan and you're a fan of say the White Sox or you're a fan of the Reds here, the Reds are sitting here and they could get to seventy wins. You know, they're sixty six and ninety. If you're a fan, especially the Reds have been in a rebuild for a while. And we'll ask you, you know, say in the comments if you have an answer for this. Which would you prefer? Would you prefer to see, like if you're the Reds, to see your team get to 70 wins, which at least you avoided finishing in the 60s? Or would you rather see your team finish on a complete tail slide and end up 66 and 96, so I, but I, that would get you a better pick? I do think this answer is team by team a little bit. For the Reds, for me at least, I kind of want to see, hey, Let's see Robert Stevenson show he can have some better outings. Let's see Tyler Molly pitch well. Let's see if we can finally see something out of Cody Reed because the Reds have had the number two overall pick back-to-back -back years. Mm -hmm. Those premium top picks that you kind of need and to get that high-end talent, they've used, they've had them, and while you can always acquire more, it's not like the Giants who haven't had a top pick in a while. They could really desperately use that premium talent they just don't have. The Reds have that. I would prefer, if I'm a Reds fan, to see... Let's get let's have these young kids, especially on the pitching side, have some really nice starts to finish the season and just go in with that. And if you know if that means they win 72 and pick seventh, that's okay. I think that's better for them than the Giants where you say, oh man, we just played ourselves out of a top you know top five or six pick when we really don't have anything of premium talent. I think it'd be more harmful to a team like them. Okay, the other question I wanted to ask you along those lines is, is that, so the Phillies, as we sit here, the Phillies could go back-to-back. -back. I mean, they, they went, you know, they... 15. 
Sorry, sorry. Back to two, two of three. three. Two of three, I should say. Mickey Moniak won one. This year they're a little late, you know, a little better last year. So Adam Hazley was their first round pick a little later on. But they could go back to having the for the number one pick this year. The Braves are the other team who's been in mega rebuild mode. The Braves are sitting there right now, and they're gonna see in somewhere probably in the top ten, but they're not gonna have a top five pick probably unless they have a, a pretty bad last week. Which rebuild right now? Because these two are two teams that have been in teardowns that have been building back up. Which rebuild right now do you say, I would rather have the future of the Braves or the future of the Phillies? If I wanted to cheat, I'd say the Phillies position players and the Braves pitchers. Uh, I can't quite do that it. That doesn't, they don't, they don't let you, you know, do that. I, I do like. Because especially, I know that the Braves are not trading their pitchers to get, you know, the, the Phillies pitchers, or the, you know, the, and the Phillies are not trading their position players to get the Braves position players. I'll say I like some of the anchors the Phillies have. Uh, Aaron Nola has really developed into a, a true frontline pitcher, and also the Braves have that with Tehran, but. Nola's, you know, younger, cheaper guy. You and had a better year. Yeah, and then you also have, I mean, the Braves don't, I mean, I like Ozzy Albies. He's a really good player. I don't think the Braves have that, you know, Acuna is a fantastic talent, but, you know, Reese Hoskins, that middle-of-the-order masher type, I don't think the Braves have that. And we talked about the power has been a I would shortcoming. I they do. Freddie well, Friedman. I'm talking of the young guys. If yeah. you're talking about rebuilding, you know, for, there's no question. But I'm talking because I think we're talking windows here are 18, 19, 20, 21. Then, yeah. I mean, I think, gosh, it's tough because I. Because I'm not saying just, I yeah. shouldn't say, I'm not saying just the okay. prospects. If you're I'm talking saying what's at the what major you have level, the major league level too. I probably do give the Braves the edge then. I do. How about you? I think I probably do give the Braves also. Mm-hmm. And the a couple of reasons. One, as crazy as it is that the Braves right now, the, the Braves have to figure out a way, I do think, to get free of Kemp and in some ways I don't even know if free of Marquecas because he's only got one year left. But you know, you want Acuna out there in the outfield with NCR to figure out third base. And then third base I think is one that you need to go out and spend some money. Right. If you can find a free agent or you go I mean Camargo Ruiz, it's been an interesting little platoon. Garcia was hurt, but you but can you, do way you, better. You need to you do, do better. better. Because the the other thing that's fascinating about it is, is other than that, we know the brace catchers are probably going to be next year because They've already re-upped Kirk Suzuki. I was there Friday night. He hit two runs. I, mean, I, was one of, I was there for one of Kirk Suzuki's best games of his career. But uh, Kirk Suzuki and Tyler Flowers surely, almost surely be their catchers next year. Freddie Freeman's their first baseman. Ozzy Albee's the second baseman. Dansby Swanson's the shortstop. And they need Dansby, obviously, to have a better year. And Aaron Ciarte is a very good And Ciarte in center fielder. Ronald Acuna is going to be in that outfield for a good bit of next year unless something when, when goes you, wrong. When you take into account the total package, which is the majors, I do agree with you. It's the Braves. And it'll be interesting to and see, you know, how quickly, you know, Swanson's bounce back, Albie's first full season. There will be hiccups, but I think overall you definitely have a really nice core. The other thing is, is that this in September, and it's September, but now you have Gohara, Newcomb, and uh, Freed Free, in the rotation. Another decent outing. Three, huh? you know, three young lefty, uh, in many ways, flamethrowers. I mean, Newcomb, a lot of nine sixes and sevens on Friday. Yep. Gohara's pretty much 96, 98 every time out from the left side. So you have those three rookies in there. They've gotten some outings for Sims. Fulton Awitz is still young. You're starting to see the tough thing they have now is that they're, they're going to have a pitching staff that probably takes some lumps next year. But they, I by 19, that group should be the group and largely that they need. And there's always going to be, you know, they've brought in some bullpen pieces. A.J. Minter has been a very nice uh, call-up for them. Lefty who can really bring it. I think mm-hmm. there's definitely some pieces there you like. I do think the Braves are in better position than the Phillies all things considered. But 
the Phillies, you can see some good things. You see, okay, we can build around Nola. We can build around Hoskins. Cesar Hernandez and Freddie Galvis are good players, whether you choose to trade Bad them. Bad years them, in some cases, but, but you know. there's good, they're good players. You can do things. Aaron Altair, for my money, has probably been the best season you know nothing about. But, this guy's been fantastic when he's been healthy. And the other thing about it is, is in both these cases now, now we are we are through the, okay, these are the placeholders to fill time. I mean, you, you do have some tough questions in right. Philly. Like Michael Saunders is no longer playing left field. Right. You, and Daniel Nava is <laughs> no longer going to be their, you know, their guy either, much to my chagrin. But, uh, um, but it is something where you look at it now and you say, okay, again, in Philadelphia, you're also talking about we're seeing Alfaro is catching now. Hoskins is the first baseman. You Cro- talked about, you know, but we also Crawford have J.P. Crawford. You know, we, we, they have to figure out, does Michael Franco in any way fit in their plans or not? And right now, look a little shaky on that. But they have some, you know, Herrera's still young, as you said, out there. A great turnaround, really, really poor start. Nick Williams has played. You know, so, there are guys again, there. they have guys there. The thing that they have is is that they're pitching to me. If I'm, if you are, if you're again, if you're saying why, I like Nola as much as I like Nola. They have less options that are close to the big leagues. Well, and a lot of the guys that you were counting on have not performed. You know, Vince Velasquez. Everyone, you know, the stuff is there, but it just has not translated into consistent. Yeah, that little stretch at the start of last year. And he'll do that. He'll show you the flashes, mm-hmm. but just consistently day in and day out. So the Braves' pitching depth, which I think we've always known, is probably the best. What was the best maybe in the minors, and now we're starting to see it ascend into the majors. Look, not every single one of those guys will hit. That's the nature of prospects. But, you know, if you get three or four of them out of the 15 you've put together, yeah. you've got three-fifths of a rotation. A few questions here that I want us to get to. Uh, John Urkla, who frequent uh, viewer and commenter. Thank you, John. He asked, can Hankins, that's Ethan Hankins or Rocker, that's Kumar Rocker, break the no high school righty has gone one one streak? I would say no. And I'll, the reason I'll say that, I, I want to hear you what you think, but you could have said, we could have been talking this time last year and say, could Hunter Green, who is almost like the prototypical produced, you know, like as far as if you were minting a high school pitching prospect, Hunter Green is pretty high up on that list, and he did go on one. And, you know, the uh, just the beginning, you know, stuff, I, I sent out the behest of uh, Carlos Claus, our great draft writer. You should definitely follow him. Uh, just kind of some quick feedback, and the general consensus was no on Hankins, just for you know, really good and he's player. Really, I mean, he's a top, top five, five pick. top yeah. five. But again, you take that one one overall pick, and Hunter Green was better than both of these guys, and he didn't go one one. Hankins, if you wanted to argue, Hankins might have a little bit more polished there's, feel. At there's this a point. sense, but yeah. like Green has a little bit more. They like the breaking ball better, even though his breaking ball wasn't unanimous. There's right. still a sense it was better, kind of more projectable stuff. So I, I think at the end of the day. Look, anything's possible. If you know, a couple couple guys get hurt oh, yeah. and these guys have great springs, sure. I'm not going to say no, but right now that is not the sense that we have got. The, if I, if I'll, the best way I can put it is, is that I'm terrible about these because I do think of it this way. If I default to answer no to you, and if you'd asked me each of the last 51 years and I said no, I'd have been right. So <laughs> I'll probably be right again because there is something Keep about a high school right. Baseball is a very conservative sport, and a lot they're very wary and, of doing something different. And hey, let's also be just very straightforward about it. Okay, let's look at the top high school righties at the top of recent classes. Tyler Kolek, top high school righty in his class. Right now, if you redrafted that, Tyler Kolek would struggle to be a first-round pick. Oh, there's no way he'd be. Right. I mean, if you if you said you could rewind it and maybe, <laughs> you know, a little development different on our set, whatever. But yeah, uh, well, Riley Pint, you know, who was an exceptional prospect coming out of high school – 
really struggled this year. Matt Eddy did a really interesting mm-hmm. study about this where he looked back at the high, first round high school right-handers, really post, you know, you had that nice run of Josh Beckett, Zach Granke there, and then, but post Granke, the best in terms of career work, first round high school right-hander, the absolute best was Chad Billingsley. And who had a nice peak, but when that's your greatest, no one better, that's not a generally a, a group. No, that's not the end. You're not getting impact. No. And even going into some, you know, we've seen some of the supplemental guys like Noah Syndergaard. Oh, that's been the, that's been the value. Absolutely. That's, but a lot of those guys, it's the projectable guy who adds strength where teams with that number one, number two overall pick want the now velocity. And a lot of times for a high school right-hander, now velocity isn't a good thing because they break. Right. So uh, Eric Simmons, along these same lines, asked, who do you think will be the number one pick next year? Uh, I say maybe Brady Singer. Brady Singer is not a terrible choice. Uh, the Gators, if you, same way that I said, if I just said no on high school number one, right, right here going number one, I'd be right the last 51 years. If I picked a Gators pitcher to go in the top, you know, the first round, top 10. you know, top 10 generally, I'd be pretty safe on that because it happens pretty much every year. Um, we talked about, you know, Ethan, you know, we, we have Hankins, we have, on the college side, it's a very wide open, but Singer, um, you know, you also can talk about, again, Nick Madrigal is not, not the normal kind of guy, but he is, he is the kind of guy who ends up often having a lot of success. The Middle success- infield, athletic, bat-to-ball skills, premier program, don't ever, ever say, oh, well, we think the upside is limited. Those guys often exceed whatever you think their upside is. Right. Dustin Pedroia says, hey. Jose Altuve, right. who was not obviously drafted, but Jose Altuve says hi also. Right. You know, people say, oh, you know, it's short it's bat to ball skills. It's probably a utility, maybe a second position. No, those guys are MVPs. So, um, uh, and then uh, we uh, also have Jeff Sansbury asking should the Mariners be drafting more Pacific Northwest locals who are used to local climate? And how do you scout players that will thrive with that? Uh, I mean, you can't. Well, the Mariners actually have gone and gotten some Pacific Northwest guys, but look, you've got to get the best talent available. And frankly, that's not the area that, like, there are talented players up there, but when you're, especially like the Mariners, and you need talent in your system, just drop the best player available. But don't overthink it. But my other point that is, is that I do know that there are teams who have kind of, like, the Braves were always famous for they wanted to put a basically a fence around Georgia. Because their idea was, is we should be able to know, we, A, we have a couple of advantages. One, guys from here, we should be able to get a second, third, fourth rounder who may come to be a Brave because they dreamed of being a Brave more so than they would of dreaming to be a Texas Ranger. But the second part is, is we have more guys here. We should know them better. If you're saying that you're going to do that, if the Rangers said that they're going to put a fence around Texas, that makes some sense. Nothing against the Pacific Northwest, but that is not the area where you say we're going to base our drafts around that because there are a lot of years where you're talking about one or two guys who are first, second-round talents. And I think, too, talk about the Mariners system. Those kids are going to be playing in Everett. Clinton, by the way, gets very cold in the Midwest. They also are going to have to go back around and play in Tacoma. So they have multiple years to get acclimated to those chillier climates. You don't need to figure out which one of them can handle it at 18. They'll learn. Yeah, that, that's something. Give them time. I mean, the reality is, is if that was a, that much of a worry, then you would not be able to sign anyone for the Dominican because that's not exactly the uh, same exact uh, client climate that you're dealing with there. Uh, Glenn Turgeon asks, give a letter grade for next year's draft. Literally do that, but I will say, listen, go back and listen to the podcast we did, the Matt Blood podcast, 
And, uh, you know, this was the best 18U USA baseball team probably ever. Sounds good. So, I mean, I would say at least uh, I'm a conservative grader, but a B at least. Any? All signs point to to definitely in that upper upper echelon. I want to see how some of the, you know, the best drafts for me are the ones that you have strength both on the high school and the college side. I think right now the college side, you get a little bit of a mixed reaction. But we still have a whole season to play, and I would not be surprised if we see a couple guys really shoot up. And, and that is the interesting thing. I, I like how you point that out because on the college side, a college class can improve much more from where we stand right now. You know, we, we have basically the showcase, the showcase season is largely over. It's not over yet, but it's largely over for the high school players. And really, once the showcase season is over, the high school class is only going to improve by a, a small degree because the reality of it is, is that on the high school side, now if you're talking about SoCal, you're talking about Florida, where you're seeing guys against top competition, a guy takes a step forward, you really can see it. There's a lot of places around the country, you know, I do a lot of our Midwest draft calls and all, and when you're talking about a guy in Illinois, and he's in not Chicago, you know, like he's somewhere, and it's like, well, I haven't seen him really hit against anyone who throws harder than 87, 88, you know, or you're talking about Minnesota, it's like, well, they haven't got outside yet. There's a lot of places in the country where you just don't have that much time to really raise your draft stock significantly on the high school side. There's no such concern on the college side. No matter where you are on the college side. Even if you're in a second tier, like the Mountain West, you know, which is, okay, it's a second tier. It's still a powerful, you know, it's still a big conference with a lot of future big leaguers that you're going to see. Uh, a and lot you're of all going to have, you're all, not like you're not going to have 10 games, you're not going to have 20 games. You're all going to have 50 plus, and you're all, you know, and then there's, you know, the, the conference tournament generally. And then there's the you know the 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 field of 64. There are a lot of opportunities to be seen by a ton of play. You know, and again, that's just D1. We're not even talking about again. Every if you're year talking about JC, there's a, there's some guys who haven't bounced back to the JC yet. They're going to be at the spring. Right. And so, if if you ask me for a good draft class where I would want it to be strong right now, I would prefer that it's strong on the high school side because the college side can improve more than the high school side can improve because. There, there's a pretty natural ceiling of how much better a, a high school class can be when you talk about the spring. You know, again, we'll see. But it's funny just being from the SoCal guy who's played in SoCal and from SoCal and everything in SoCal. I never thought of it like that because, oh yeah, guys improve all the time out there. But you're right when you're talking about some of those colder climates, areas where their talent is pretty limited. It's tough to really raise your stock against when you're facing high schoolers throwing 77. Well, not only that, but you even have, I mean, I know they'll play some, some, you know, some spring uh, events and all, but you have states, you know, in the Midwest where there is no spring high school baseball even. Right. So, I mean, you are talking, or you also have states, I mean, again, you're doing calls for Minnesota and, you know, right. things like that. And it's like, yeah, we haven't gotten, we haven't seen sunlight yet, you know. I mean, yeah. we haven't, you know, no. it's, the, so the, the, the field is covered that. with snow. We're not getting any innings in yet, you know, and so things like that where, you know, it just makes it tougher. So it's, it's interesting. It seems like there's a lot of draft questions. I wonder how much of it is, you know, people interested in the draft versus people interested in who is my team taking? Because you're right, for a lot of these teams, those Giants, the Phillies, the Tigers, the Reds, the White Sox, for the most part, I mean, these are all teams. There are times where we'll see teams have a one-year blip like we saw with the Twins mm-hmm. last year. The Giants might be an interesting case, but all those other teams, for the most part, teams that the plan has been to be bad for a little bit now and restock. And I think it's interesting well, to see how it all uh, kind of shoots up. The other thing before we let this, you know, before we uh, wrap it up for today, is the other thing that does stand out is, is that 
we had this wild card race in the AL, which has best been described as here you have it, no you have it, no you have it. So you know, I think for, that the Twins lost four or five straight, and the Angels had their chance to make their move then, and they went and lost six straight. And then by that time it was too late, the Twins bounced back, the Angels have dropped out. But mostly. What, what fascinates me about that is, is that if you look at this from a draft perspective, you have the Angels who are 77 and 79, who admittedly they have a chance to end up at 500, which does mean at least something because when you look back 50 years from now or whatever. But you have them, and then picking 11th are the Blue Jays at 74 and 84. Now, again, I don't think that the Angels are going to completely tank and the Blue Jays are going to go on a run where they flip. But you are talking about what happens this last week is going to make the difference of, in some cases, four, five, six draft spots. My favorite one was last year. The Padres were playing the Diamondbacks, the final game of the season. The Padres, had they won that game, would have picked eighth. They lost it, so they picked third. And that made five spots. And that makes a massive difference. And the difference between Mackenzie Gore and who went eighth this year? Was it Hayes? Smith was seven? Was it Hazley? It was Hazley or Pavin Smith. Yeah, I think it was Hazley. I mean, and no disrespect to Adam Hazley or Pavin Smith. You'd much rather have Mackenzie Gore. Mackenzie Gore is really, really, really good. So that's, there's always some, some fun with that where, okay. Do we win? Do we lose? What's better for the franchise long term? And again, I think it's sort of an individual team by team decision you have to make. But, well, that's a good way to wrap it up for today. Another Facebook Live in the books. We thank you again for listening if you're watching on Facebook Live or if you're listening on the Baseball American Podcast. We do appreciate it. We thank you for tuning in. And today's podcast and Facebook Live were sponsored by Baseballism. Don't forget to shop now at baseballism.com and enter the offer code BASHIP to receive free shipping on your order. So visit Baseballism.com to shop for hats, shirts, and more today. For Kyle Glazer, I'm J.J. Cooper with my misshapen hat. Uh, not Baseballism's fault. That's my fault. User error. So, but uh, for Kyle, I'm J.J. Thank you again, and we will talk to you again soon. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage.